Welcome everybody to a brand new edition of the Slasher Sanitarium. It is episode 7 of All of Us Are Dead. The episode starts off with a black military vehicle. It's episode 7 and we're introducing new characters. Staff Sergeant Lee Jaijung tells his mother on the phone he's going he's not going into Hyosan, but he is. The military men enter a large office building and begin to mow down a bunch of zombies. They manage to rescue a group of people who are locked in a cafeteria area. A zombie tackles Jaejun to the ground, he gets bit, and he gets dragged out of the building. He then turns and gets loaded into the military vehicle in a body bag. If there was ever a person that was immediately in my mind going to die, it was this guy. Like, it's episode 7. We're probably not introducing this dude to be, like, another new character. They did enough with him, you know, talking to his mom on the phone to make you care about the fact that he was going to die. So the fact that they did that in, like, three minutes was pretty impressive. But again, like, it was pretty clear. that It was set up as soon as he appeared on screen. He was talking about, like, oh, he was going to be dispatched in... in or not dispatched, he was going to be discharged in a week. It's like, okay, he's he, he is essentially, I'm two days from retirement, now I'm going to die in a shootout, like that much of a cliche. But, you know, there's a there's a reason why this guy shows up, and, and we'll get to him. Young Chan explains that he is getting close to finding out a cure, and he needs to raise the body temperature in order to help the white blood cells fight off the virus, because apparently there are still some white blood cells left in the bodies. That's the only thing we'll get from him. Sujo makes it out of the water, and with he just has a bit of a flesh wound on his side. So, Anjo's father, still alive, mostly well, but he is on his way. Anjo hands the camera to Su Hyuk and tells Namra they trust her. She can untie her arm now. They don't. And Namra thinks about recording a message, but then decides not to. She asks why Suhyuk is doing this, and he says he's just not scared of her. Namra apologizes for trying to bite him, and said he was just giving up a beautiful scent. She just really wanted to eat him. She heard him finally call her by her name, not by Prez or by you or anything like that, but actually called her Namra, and that's what woke her out of her trance, and essentially he saved himself unknowingly. Suhyuk says he never said her name before because he worried that if she heard him say her name, she would realize how much he likes her. Suhyuk says that she is so much better than he is, and he didn't feel like he deserved her. Namra starts the camera and says, Suhyuk, I like you. And they kiss each other. Hey. It sort of puts an end to the love triangle, obviously, because... Suyuk has made his decision, and Namra reciprocated. So, the two of them are a couple now. Now, obviously, we've been leading up to that for a while, but you got Anjo on the sideline, you know, obviously wanting him and asking him on a date and everything, and that him not answering her. But, yeah, it's, it's a bummer for Anjo, obviously, because the guy that she likes doesn't like her back, but... Uh, she does have a contingency plan if she likes Chang San. 
Anji takes a walk down the halls, and she is able to hear everything at a superhuman level now. She also has super strength now as she rips a locked door handle right off the wall. So, <laughs> I know that they've, they've done a good job so far of keeping this sort of grounded in as much reality as you can with the fact that they're zombified and they do some things that are a little iffy. There's no, like, there's nothing that you can sit there and be like, they suddenly have gotten stronger hearing. Or they suddenly are way stronger. Like, their muscles don't, they're not changing at all. You could make an, a, a case for that one on being like, well, the thing is based on, like, adrenaline and, and testosterone, things like that. So there might be a little bit of a boost. Not as much as we see. Not where you're ripping door or locked door handles off the wall. But maybe enough that you could say, ah, well... You know, they're a little bit stronger, they're, they're a little bit more resilient because of the fact that, you know, they got kind of adrenaline course with them, some of that. But there's nothing that would cause you to be able to hear as good as they can now. So, it's not something I'm going to nitpick, or, or it's not going to detract from my enjoyment of the show. It's just something that's just like, alright, well, I'm, I'm with it this far. We're seven episodes in, I'm not going to suddenly turn around and be like, nah, they, why, they can hear good. No, that's all good. Anji does find the Dean of Students hiding in a room. Uh, he first gets her name wrong, then notices she's covered in blood. She says she is starving and is driving her crazy. She proceeds to pick up a goldfish from a tank nearby and eats it. Yum. The Dean asks if she was bitten, and Anji admits that she was. Uh, young Nam, the dean, gets up and hits her with a thermos, which causes her to drop another of the fish that she was about to eat. She doesn't really react to it, and instead just picks up the fish and eats it. She reminds the dean that when she told him she was an outcast, he told her to tell her homeroom teacher because he didn't want to have to hold a committee meeting about it. She then attacks him and bites him in the side while he stabs her a few times. She winds up eating a chunk of his flesh as he starts to convulse. And Clue starts to turn. If, you know, Anji is somebody that I I want to like um, simply because of the fact that, like, I, I'm constantly hoping that she'll get her revenge for the stuff that's done, been done to her, like the topless video now being put out to the world. Not that a lot of people are looking at it because I'm sure everyone is more looking at the whole zombie outbreak thing, but it's, you know, just the amount of punishment this poor woman has taken. And so it's, it's like them telling the story of like, I mean, we already knew the Dean of Students was a little iffy, but him telling the story, her telling the story of like, oh, he disregarded her when she talked about like the abuse she was suffering and everything like that. It's like, we're just kind of squaring that it's okay that she's going to kill this dude. Which, you know, I guess it is, because, you know, she can't really help herself. Namra seems to have either heard this, this attack that was going on, or she hears something else that causes her to investigate. Because, of course, 
she is just like uh, Anji, so she also has superhuman hearing. While she is listening, Hyorong asks Jimin if she's finally starting to turn. Daisu says, what if half-bees don't turn, but since he kind of snuck up on them, Hyorong jumps and slaps him. She, he's fucking scared her, which was kind of funny. Namrock can hear everyone, uh, someone puking, which we cut over to see is actually Anji. So even though she was starving and took a bite out of the Dean, apparently she can't eat human flesh or, or eat blood or swallow blood because she just puked it all back up again. So she's definitely not, uh, at least in that aspect, not a zombie in terms of what she's going to eat. So I guess she can eat normally, um, but she still has a bit of the hunger, I guess. The Dean turns and gets up with his guts hanging out of his out of him, which was pretty cool. And Namra can hear Hyorong's heart beating faster. Namra is shown being able to hear everything incredibly loud as well. And she hears Chiang San fart and Daisu's stomach growl. Then she hears Na Yan shift in the storage room. And Namra says that they should go because it's weird here. It's like, it was uh, almost there. It was almost there where it was like, oh, they're going to find her, that she's been hanging out there. But instead, she just sort of... It's just, it's getting weird here. We should probably get going. Daisu says they should have left when the music was playing. And Anjo grabs the camera saying, uh, we do actually have another opportunity to do our plan and we have music we can use. We head outside and Gui Nam gets cleaned up. And, of course, he starts to also get his super hearing. He is able to hear someone hiding under a car. He wanders over, and it's our little spiky-haired bully, Myung Huan. Guinam proceeds to scare him, and he tells Guinam to join him under the truck. Myung Han asks if Guinam is okay, and asks about his eye. And Guinam seems to have forgotten what happened to him. I don't know, I guess the fall must have, like, jostled him a bit. Because he's sort of back to his normal self. Like, he's he's quieter, it seems like that, but he's more, like, subservient here. Young Wan comes up with a plan, and his plan is for Guinam to run over to another car and distract the zombies, while Mi Hyun goes the other way to confuse them. A.K.A. he's going to use Guinam as bait to get away. Guinam sort of snaps back into things and tells him, you know, I'm no longer the gopher. Mostly because, you know, there's only two of them left and everyone else is dead. Mihyun slaps him and tells him to go do it. Guinam gets out, but then he grabs Mihyun from out from under the truck and he tells him that uh, Myung Huan has, is nothing to him now and he makes him big for his own life. He proceeds to snap Myung Huan's arm and then lets the other zombies chow down on him. Guinam fully remembers himself and says he's going to gouge out Chang Sun's eye. So it's like there's a, a brief moment after they have pseudo died where they sort of return back to normal or maybe just don't really like remember everything that they had going on i'm not sure 
But it's interesting that there's a little bit of an effect to their, like, sustaining enough of an injury before they kind of heal back up and get up. Anjo makes a plan to create a barrier. They will play music and open the doors to let the zombies come in. When they come in, the group is going to be hiding behind a barrier, and once everything is clear, they're going to run out the back door. Anjo tells Suhyuk and Namra they should untie themselves, but neither wants to. Anjo says that Namra will never get close to the others this way, and she won't be able to build trust with them. So they let Anjo untie them. Namra says Anjo should have been the class president. So even though Anjo probably has ulterior motives for uh, untying them, she is actually right on this. Like, it's going to further drive a wedge between the two of them and the rest of the group if they continue with this way. Soju patches himself up at the EMS station and tries to get into a locked armory area um, after he sees some zombies. He starts beating the door down, which causes them all to try to get in. He does manage to get into the back room, and he loads up a shotgun. And then Sujo opens the heads of some zombies before he escapes out the back window. We get a montage of the school squad building up the barricade. And we take a moment to go and check in on the archery and bathroom crew. They make a stretcher for Jun Sung, who of course got stabbed in the stomach last episode. And they plan to um, head out. And then Hari tells Minje that if he thinks that they won't be able to make it, he should drop Jun Sung and start shooting. Mijin grabs the remaining arrows and makes Jun Sung carry them. Mijin and Min Jae carry Jung Sun while Ha recovers them. The stretcher instantly breaks and they have to head back inside. Jun Sung tells them to leave him behind. And Mijin says he'll just post on Facebook that they left him. Jun Sung tells her to stop pretending to care because she killed Ha Lim, the uh, girl that was with him in the bathroom who was clearly a zombie. She doesn't care about anyone, which is a, a dick thing to say. Hari says they will try again, and Jun Sung bitches some more, and Mijin tells him to shut the fuck up. I mean, it's pretty clear that Mijin does actually care, because otherwise she wouldn't be putting so much effort into it. She'll use her kind of tough girl act to, you know cover it up but yeah she she worried once he she saw that he was stabbed and Hari just continues to be like fuck it we can we can leave him back at chunks on chicken jail is taping menus around their the arms and legs of him the little girl and his partner hochal starts to say they should leave sibin behind and rescue themselves and have the army come back for them. Jay Il says if Ho Chiao dies, he will have them build a statue for him. Sibin tells him that if he is scared, he can just stay here. Which is pretty good, decent burn for, you know, a child. Jay Il says 
that they are going to leave now, and Seabin asks if they will be taking her mother with them. Probably inadvertently, but, you know. J.L. tells her that they'll have to come back for her. Sure they will, you know, with a bullet to the brain. He tells her his son is the same age, and they should meet. Seabin says she already has a boyfriend. This girl is like six, mind you. Jail asks if they are ready, and Ho Chow says no. Then it quick cuts to him in the back of the motorcycle, thumping zombies in the brain. Uh, he just keeps screaming, even though Jail tells him to shut up since he's drawing all of the zombies to them. Ho Chow sends them down a dead end, but there is a very small path they can drive down. Jail drives the zombies into a group behind them so that they will all try to cram together and it will take them enough time that they can get away. They get free and we hear someone start yelling for help. It's fucking orange gibberish. He's still alive. He is hiding on top of a roof of a random house and will probably be okay now because the police are here to rescue him. They stop for him, and Ho Chow asks them to leave him behind. Please do. Jail gets off and hands the baby to Ho Chow so he can go and get orange gibberish. Ho Chow says fuck this, and he drives away with the baby and Zibin, leaving Jail behind. Whoops, that backfired. Back at the school, and the wall has been built. Everyone goes to the other side except for Chang San. He has to open the door, after all. Su Hyuk still won't let him be brave all on his own, and he says he'll come with him. Su Hyuk asks what happened between Chang San and Gui Nam. Chang San admits he saw Gui Nam killing the principal, and that's why he wants to kill Chang San. Su Hyuk says Gui Nam is dead. Yeah, we wish, dude. And says that he loves Nam Ra. He tells him to be good to Anjo. It's not really how that works but at least I appreciate the sentiment. Suhyuk opens the door and leaps the barricade. They start up the choir recital off the tape, and all the zombies pile into the music room. The school squad hold back the barricade and have Daesu start yelling to draw the rest of the zombies in. Uh, Guinam is able to hear this, and he starts to slowly make his way towards the classroom. They start to bang on music equipment as well, and zombies start to crawl over the barricade, but the squad can't leave yet, as there are more zombies arriving in the halls. We then go to a military hospital where they have Jaijun strapped down. They plan to study him to find out a cure. Another military man says they should ask his parent for parents for consent. One of the others says, we don't have to do that actually, because we're under martial law. But the man says, do it anyways, because we owe it to the parents after taking away their child. He is then told about the assemblywoman, Park Yun-hee. He proceeds to go to meet with her and tells her she is not getting any special treatment, and she needs to stop bothering his men. Yun-hee requests they send a helicopter to the school to rescue anyone there. The commander walks away from her. When he gets back to his office, he asks how many students they have saved, and he's told... Fuck all. He requests a Black Hawk helicopter to go to the school. He is asked if he wants to send someone to get his mother, and he says, we'll have to wait off on that right now. There's more pressing things. 
I give this show a lot of credit on being able to throw a new character at us and do something to give us a really good sense of like where their morality lies. Like here's this guy, he's he clearly is like very like strictly business on things, but he also understands where it's like, okay, um, I'm not going to help the assembly woman, but she is right. Like we haven't saved any of the children and that's a problem. So let's get a helicopter out there, save the children. And it's like no preferential treatment even for his own mother. So it's good. It's a nice way to, you know, like I said, to understand like we're supposed to root for this guy. This guy's actually good. He's doing, you know, he's doing good things. The school squad all start to leave finally. They head upstairs and are quickly followed by more zombies. And Guinam is still on their heels. Yeonji, now with some clean clothes on, leaves the school. And the Black Hawk helicopter checks out the middle school, but it's on fire and they abandon it. So it is now a race to see if our school gang can get to the roof before the helicopter gets there. We do know there is one person still on the roof. Chel Su, and he hears the school squad trying to open the door. Finally, Wu Jin calls out, but Chel Su is too afraid to open the door. He remembers Anji hoping that everyone would die. We see that Chang Sun's message is now playing on the camcorder, and we see his zombified mother out on the school grounds, just to really drive home the fact that he has no idea his mother's dead. Namra says that the zombies have reached them. Su Hyuk and Chang and Chang San try to hold them off while the rest try to get the door open. The helicopter sees Chao Su and it lands on the roof. Andro throws a tarp over the zombies in the stairwell, which is, seems to be working pretty well. But Gui Nam is getting pissed because all the zombies are in his way. The military arrives and they test Chao Su, they determine he is okay, and he is asked if there are any other survivors. Then, right at the end of the episode, we see Guinam walk up the stairs, through the tarp, just one-handed carrying a zombie in his, and as he slowly walks up and laughs in the face of Su Hyuk and Shang San. I like this episode a lot. I thought there was, again, some really good character development on people. There was really good stories being told. This showdown between Guinam and uh, and the two men, it, it continues to build my interest on things. I love the fact that he, uh, he wasn't the number one bully, even though he was the biggest. And now he is, because he has these powers and he is directly responsible for the death of the, you know, former leader for, of the gang. We get a little bit more on, like, what the half-bees are, which is good, because we need that. And now we've got a conundrum of, does Chaosu help everyone else there? Or does he just take a ride back and get saved and leave him behind? And, of course, we also have Orange Chippers potentially getting saved if him and Jail can get out of the city alive. So, all in all, good episode. Uh, we keep uh, 
keep heading towards a finale here, which is coming up pretty quickly here, next couple of episodes. I'll be back again with another one soon, as well as a continuation of the other series I've been doing from, and maybe a new one once I get everything wrapped up here. So with that, I want to thank you for listening, and I will see you on the next one. Bye-bye!